we'll start from there. So if you would all bow your heads with me, we'll ask the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father, we are thankful, as always, to gather together to get to know you a little more in this study and also to share with each other in fellowship uh, as we do come together. We ask, Lord, that as you work in our hearts and minds this evening, that you be with all those we mentioned in prayer in the various ways that are needed, as we always do, uh, and they vary from one extreme to another. But we know, Lord, that you've put us all in these different uh, life situations so that you can deliver us from those situations as you see fit, as well as put us in those situations to teach us to to uh, grow and to be a part of your kingdom and to be closer to you each and every day. We ask, Lord, that you be with this study, that you bless it so that it can be uh, used to your glory and that it blesses us in a way to allow, to allow us to know that you are working all things after the counsel of your will, no matter what that situation is, and that we rest in that knowing that you you are with us along each and every step of our lives, that you do direct our paths, even when it feels like we ourselves are uh, having something to do with it. You are in all that uh, we do, Lord. We ask that you bless all the members of body of Christ that are spread around the world as they travel and as they come back together. And we ask that you bless all the teachings, Lord, each and every night so that they can be received in a way that will glorify you, but also that they can be used to help us all have the right mindset as we live each and every day of our lives. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's holy and blessed name. Amen. So, <clears throat> yeah, I didn't actually publish it. Sorry about that. I just, it came to me as I was sitting there praying. I don't know why it just randomly came into my head. But anyhow, uh, as you all heard, we have many prayer requests. Continue to pray for those. And uh, as we do, uh, pray to the Lord for others and for ourselves. This study came to me uh, based on, it's on Deuteronomy 28 with, uh, anyhow, the notes uh, uh, bear out what I'm going to say here, and they are posted, but <clears throat> they'll bear out that we're in the next section of hand, Awesome Hands, which is in Deuteronomy 28. We covered Deuteronomy 27 last week, and that that study was over the curses. This study will be over the blessings uh, that the Lord is covering in this chapter. But it's interesting that as it's brought out in the study, hopefully, being that this whole series is called The Awesome Hands of the Lord, he's working through our hands, whether it be through the hands of the craftsmen that we talked about um, last week, the works of the hands of the craftsmen. Now he's going to work through our hands a different way. And these are the blessings, but they have a stipulation that go along with them that is very important to recognize. And I hope that upon recognizing these things, the Lord will put in our hearts and minds to think the way he thinks because we want his mind in all things. And it was kind of talked, touched upon in the talking before the study began. And I almost was going to say it, but then, you know, as people continue to talk, I just decided to say it now during the study. So anyhow, it is really amazing how the Lord does work all things out the counsel of his own will. But first, we're going to cover what's in the uh, verses for today, which will bring out a, a lot. There's so much here in these uh, five verses, uh, and as you all know, I can become long-winded, and I could go on probably two or three studies, literally, I'm, I'm sure of it, with the length of an hour, if I wanted to, with just these five verses, but I'm not going to do that to you all. Uh, the Lord didn't inspire me to do that, and I'm here with what I have, uh, what the Lord gave me to present, so anyhow, we're going to cover these verses and then go over a couple of details, but it's all going to be focused on the Lord's will in your life, as well as how he works that in you. And from our perspective, how it is the Lord does it. 
because it's so easy for us to fall into that trap of thinking we do anything because we're the ones doing it from our perspective. But when we have the mind of God, if we focus on that and only he can allow us to do that, if we can focus on that, then we'll have a better understanding of how to do the things we do and make the decisions we make and why we do the things we do, good or bad, because obviously we have this warfare all in all of us happening all the time. So anyhow, Deuteronomy 28, 8 through 12 says this, The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in the storehouses, and in all that thou setteth thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And you can read that verse and stop, because I'm sure most of us feel at, in, at any given time, um, and some of us are blessed not to feel this way at any given time, to help others to feel better about what the Lord is doing. But we can feel like, what blessings are you talking about, Lord? Because sometimes it just feels like like was being talked about earlier. The Lord is, he put, he goes, it seems like he goes, he says, I won't put too much on you that you can't bear it, but he like goes right to the edge. It's like that cup you fill up and the liquid's right at the top and you just know one more drop's going to start spilling off the side. And it does feel like the Lord does that to us, but he knows exactly the measure of our cup and what can fill, be filled and what can be taken away. So anyhow, Continuing in verse 9, it says, The Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself, as he has sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be afraid of thee, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of the ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto thee, fathers to give thee, to your fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure to give the rain unto the land in this season. So, I'm sorry, the heaven to give the rain unto the land in his season and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow. Like I said, there's a lot that's being said there. So we're going to break down a few points that are here as the Lord gave me, gave me inspiration to do that. And again, it's, it's pretty uh, insightful, but there's a lot there. So anyway, we're going to break down some of it. So <clears throat> being that there is a lot that's being said there, and while going into depth would take several studies, I'm not going to do that. But the first verse tells us the Lord's blessing will be upon our storehouses. And that word stuck, just stood out to me as I was reading. And I wanted to make sure that as I was reading storehouses, that it was what I thought it was in Scripture, of course. So I looked at the... Um, Look at that word, as well as all that he has said in our hand. Because if you read that verse, he's telling us that whatever he sits in our hand, our storehouses are going to be filled. So anyhow, he also uh, blesses us in the land which the Lord gives us. And we know that we are the land. So I looked up the word storehouse to make sure it was what I thought it was. And indeed, it is a barn. However, it is only mentioned one other time in Hebrew. So I thought that I would, I would read that as well to give us some um, bearing on what we're being told. And again, I obviously know I'm starting in verse 8 here. But let's see what the Lord says about these storehouses he's going to fill up for us, if he does indeed do that, because this is one of the blessings he says he's going to give us. So and it's the word H618 is uh, storehouses. It's only used one other time in Proverbs 310. And you might be saying, oh, what's Proverbs 310? There's something else to Proverbs 310. There is. And it's going to bear completely, have bearing completely on this study here. And there's a reason why it's going to make sense, hopefully, when you put in context with Deuteronomy 28. Proverbs 3.10 says, So shall thy barns, which is storehouses, be filled with plenty, 
and thy presses shall burst out with the new wine. So that should be jumping out to you a little bit, maybe some of those key words. But I also read the entire section of Proverbs 3 because I, I like reading the context, which is why I usually read a block of texts, a block of verses to kind of get what's being said there. So I'm going to read verse 3 through 10, and you're going to recognize a few of these, if not all of these verses. But for Proverbs 3, 3, 3 through 3, 10 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them by, about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. And last study we covered the heart, you know, the heart. And briefly, of course, within the context of that study, but we covered that. So shall I find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto, lean not unto thine own understanding. And then always acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy sus substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now, I could do the study on this alone, but they go so perfectly together. But you'll notice we were talking about free will or the lack thereof. Right before this, I didn't say very much. I was just listening to what was happening. And then in my head, I was listening to what the Lord was telling me. Oh, this is a nice study, you know. Anyhow, isn't it interesting how the Lord presents things as if it's you doing it? And I'll give you an example. In all thy ways, your ways, acknowledge him. Well, if the Lord is working all things out to the counsel of his own will, why is it that we feel like it's our ways? Or what? why is the Lord says, I'll direct your paths? Because that seems to say that we are doing something, but the Lord's going to direct us. You know, it's like a guiding the cattle where they're going to go with the horse with the bridle of it in its mouth, that kind of thing, right? And the Lord does, in fact, do that, but he presents it as if we're a part of the, the, the thing that's happening because we are. But he has the reins. He's going to tell you where you're going, even though you're going to experience it as it's happening. But we'll continue to see if this comes together. So I know that there's a lot packed into these set of verses as well, but there are some profound things being said in these verses, which lead up to thy barn shall be filled with plenty, because that's what we're after, right? In Deuteronomy 28 here, we're looking at the blessings, and I didn't even cover them all. There's there's a lot there in that chapter of Deuteronomy 28, contrasted against chapter 27, which are the curses. And like I covered in the last study, the curses and blessings are set together, Okay. But now Mo Moses is being told in Deuteronomy here, these are the cursings, these are the blessings that the Levites are going to speak when you go into these two mountains. So anyhow, that's why they're separated in the chapters. But as they were actually delivered to the people, they were delivered together. <clears throat> so writing mercy and truth upon the tables of your heart, thereby finding favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man is something we don't often talk about. We often talk about the God part. In other words... I'm going to try to connect, Lord willing, in this study, the God and man part. Because God, through who you are and who he is through you and who you are in him, he connects the rest of mankind to that. And it's very important to focus on that or to see it, at least. Not above and beyond who God is in our lives, but how God uses you and works through you as an example to the rest of the world. 
So while we do talk about trusting the Lord with all of our heart and not leaning to our own understanding, is this something we all do all the, is this something we do all the time as is required? When the Lord says, I work all things after the counsel of my own will, he means it. He works all things. So if that all is the same as, uh, if that is the same as all things, sorry, let me say this different way. If those all things, that group of all things is what the Lord does, then when he tells us, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, it's the same concept. All means all. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. So let's cover this. So how can we do that as mere humans with flesh that just doesn't want to allow us to do that? Well, if you recognize that you have this part of flesh that's there to be killed, but also to train you up in the way you must go. In other words, you've got to have that night and day to know the contrast, to have the battle, to get to the point where the Lord will have us more and more thinking on his ways and having all that we do due to his glory, so on and so forth. So while we do talk about trusting the Lord with all of our heart and not leaning to our own understanding, is this something we do all the time as is required? Acknowledging the Lord in all ways seems to be very important to our paths. Notice our paths. He emphasizes it as if it's our path. I know we all know, because we say it, that the Lord works all things, but he works our path and presents it as something I'm doing. When I emphasize our, it seems to, that there's a difference being, between our goals and the Lord's from the perspective of us, but indeed there isn't. So the Lord works all things after the counsel of his own will, yet we live that will from our perspective and under the rule of living in the bounds of time. The Lord isn't restricted by time. Being not wise in our own eyes and fearing the Lord is huge when you clearly grasp the implications to your spiritual health. Because when you are not wise in your own eyes and you fear the Lord, you have health to your navel, which is your belly, and the very core to the very core of your bones. Now let me say that again. When you are not wise in your own eyes and you fear the Lord, you will have health that is wealth to your body, your spiritual body. Let's knock out all the physical things because right now we're talking about spiritual health and wellness. Because if you're conscious always that your flesh is nothing, it's dying from the day you start breathing. If it's going away, there's something else we're building towards and we can't only be focused on the flesh even though that's the first focus we always have. But we're, trying, we're being trained up to not have that focus initially. The Lord wants to flip the script. He wants to turn your world upside down. He wants you to think in a way that puts him first, which is the spiritual man that has a spiritual mind instead of the flesh first. Because if you put him first, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, then the flesh is automatically second. So whenever you're encountering something, it has to be from that mindset from that focus from that perspective because if it isn't your flesh comes first examine that statement for a se second look at your life and examine what it is you are wise in your own eyes about and i'll tell you you're wise in your own eyes in everything you do in your life if you don't do what i just said which is you if you put your flesh first 
you're wise in your own eyes about anything that comes after that. All right, I'm going to pose a couple scenarios. There's many I could say. I'm just going to pose a couple because they came to my mind as I was formulating this thought. Are you wealthy and have some savings? Are you wise in your own eyes for having built that savings up? Are you healthy as an ox, as the saying goes, and you somehow are wise in your own eyes that you have accomplished that alone? Do you have a healthy marriage which give you wisdom in your own eyes because you're somehow able to get to that long, healthy marriage? Do you take pride in being down to earth because you are not so wealthy, but you are rich in the spirit from the Lord? Do you have a great story of how you were where you of of how you are where you are now? But if circumstances were somehow different or slightly different, you might be somewhere else in this point in your life. Do you have children who love you? Lots of friends, admonition from coworkers and peers, etc. I could go on and on. But what is it in your life that you can that can cause you to be wise in your own blind eyes? See, a blind man sees darkness. And if you start from a place of darkness, all that's left is light. Now let me let me phrase that another way. The Lord tells us that when you are blind, it's then that you see. Therefore, if you start from a place of emptiness, there's room for the Lord to fill you up with his light and to think in that way. But if you start in a way that you think you know or that you think you got it figured out in any aspect of your life, that the Lord can change in a split second. I can have a heart attack as I breathe right now. The Lord can do that to me. Every second that I breathe, the Lord can take that breath away. So every second I need to have the same mindset or I don't, I don't have to have anything, but if I want to be prosperous and receive these blessings of the Lord and the Lord's going to do what he's going to do, then that, that has to happen in a certain way. So the truth is that without the Lord, we can do nothing. Here it is. I'm going to read some of these verses. Very familiar to you. understand. But listen to this. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. What part of that do you not understand? Without me, you can do nothing. But does Jesus hold you to that standard and he himself isn't held to that standard? Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all as an unclean thing and all our unrighteousness, all our righteousnesses, as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Do you think like you're a leaf? Do you see yourself? It's fall. Most parts, you know, anyone that has changing seasons, look out your window. The leaves are falling. They're on the ground. They fall. They're beautiful. They change in the trees as different colors. They fall. They become crumbly, and they crush. They can be blown around. Are you a leaf in the wind? If you see yourself that way, you're going to have the right mindset because the Lord is going to do what he wants with you. Romans 1, 16 to 1, 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, you might be looking at this verse like, you know, it's easy to do. And read this again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Do you see yourself as that Jew first? Because you should. You're an inward, inward Jew. A Jew is inwardly. But do you also see the Greek in that verse? Because the Greek in that verse is very important to who you are in this world. 
The Greek in that verse is estranged from God. They're not a part of God's kingdom yet. They will be. And there is an admonition, there's an administration that's going to bring in that Greek. It's called the good news of God, the good, the gospel of Christ. But you should see that Greek part just as much as the Jew. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That would include the Jew and the Greek. Romans 3.18, oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And if you think this is talking about debt, physical money, you've missed the mark. You have. You've missed it. Because love is not going to be compared as a comparison to money. Not in and of itself. You can love mammon or love God. I get that. I know that's scriptural. But this is, oh, man, oh, no, man, anything. You got to think on that. What does that mean there? Romans 3.8. I'm sorry, 13.8. Um, I read that. Sorry. John 5.19. Then answered Jesus and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also do the Son likewise. Did, I, I asked that question. Can, does Jesus hold us to a standard that he didn't hold himself to? The answer is no. The Son can do nothing of himself. Now that's a profound statement if you apply it to your life because you are the light of the world. Jesus is in you and you are in him. And if that's true, and Lord willing, you know it's true, then you can do nothing without Jesus and Jesus can do nothing without God the Father. Therefore, what are you going to do outside of God? What are you worried about exactly? Your flesh is already doomed. Our focus as Christians, being like Christ, is how much can we fill up Christ in us before our flesh dies? And, of course, that's all according to the Lord, the Lord working in your life, but that's our focus. It's like people are focused on savings, for example. And Jonathan, please know I'm not talking about you. It's just something that came to mind just now. But I'm telling you, why are we focused on only money when our real savings, our real storehouses being filled up, or those blessings the Lord talked about in Deuteronomy 28? And I promise you, this is all going to come back around to that. The storehouses you want filled up to have plenty that are overflowing. The doors are bursting at the seams because there's so much there is not physical. So if Jesus Christ can do nothing of himself, then what chance do we have of somehow being more powerful than Jesus and doing something of ourselves? Likewise, Jesus told us in John 15, 5, that without him, we, we can do nothing. Therefore, Jesus can do nothing without Jesus. Therefore, we, sorry, cannot anything without Jesus. Jesus can do nothing of himself. It tells us that we can do nothing without God the Father. So putting this all together, we see that we can do nothing of ourselves, but we obviously do stuff in our life. We do stuff, right? We were just, again, hearkening back to what we were talking about. We do stuff. We will. There's a choice to be made in your life. It's just not free of the will of God. But that's every choice you make, and good or bad, positive or negative, the choices you make are directed by God. Now, that may seem like I'm putting everything off on God, but I am. But he uses me as the tool to, you know, make that decision. I don't know how to, to emphasize it any more than just clearly saying as I am. Notice the Lord tells us in Deuteronomy 28, 15, the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand to do. 
Now listen to it. He just said, the Lord shall command, dot, 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 all that thou setteth your hand to do. The Lord is going to do all that you do through you, and you're going to feel like it's you doing it. Because it, it poses this as anything you set your hand to do, Steve, I'm going to bless it. That makes it sound like I'm going to set my own hand, but it's not because you've got to understand some of the scripture on this, right? What are we setting our hands to do? The answer is everything we do, we are setting our hands to do. However, what is the purpose of the thing we're doing? Are we doing all that we do to the glory of God or are we just getting by? Deuteronomy 28.10 And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. I promise you there's not very many people afraid of me or you or anyone that's a child of God, that's son of God. No, people aren't scared of our flesh, in other words, but they're darn sure scared of the word that come out of you because that frightens everybody. You tell anyone that God's in control. I promise even some of you now are listening and some of those that are listening in the future are scared of the very words that God's in control of everything because it diminishes you being in control of yourself. And when you diminish the flesh, you're going to have a struggle. But notice all the people of the earth shall see that you were called by the name of the Lord and, that they'll sh and they shall be afraid of thee. They're afraid of the Lord in you. They're not afraid of you, but they're afraid of you because you are as he is in this world. The name of the Lord is a specific thing to be named by, yet how can all the people of the earth see if we are not among all the people of the earth? The answer is that we are, we are all in the presence of all the earth when we interact in any way with anyone we encounter in our lives, whether they be a stranger, foe, or friend. Why do I say that? I'm not going to meet every single person on this earth. I'm not going to meet a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of all the people on this earth. I'm going to meet all the earth and all the world therein by the people I meet because there's only, it doesn't matter who you meet. There's only a set of a criteria that's all that is in the world is this. So anyone you meet has the world in them, but there's a very specific thing being said to us because all the people of the earth are going to see the Lord in me or they won't. So Proverbs 3, 4 says, I'm sorry, Proverbs 3, 4 told us that we are to, that we will find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. But how can that happen with the insight of man part if we are not in the sight of man? When you realize what's being said, it, it becomes very clear. Proverbs 3, 4, so shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Matthew 5, 13 to 14, I'm sorry, Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. Notice, you're not excluded from the earth. You're the salt of the earth. But how can you be of the earth if you're not around the earth? The answer is clear. You are around the earth. You're of the earth. You just happen to be salt. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. <sighs> I'm going to ask you a basic question. I hope this doesn't cause you to think too hard. I hope the answer comes quickly, Lord willing. But it gives light to all that are in the house. 
Who's in the house? All? Who's all? You should pose that question to yourself because it's important to know. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And if you connect the sum of thy word, you know your works are nothing. Your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. It's not your works that we're talking about. We're talking about your good works, and none is good but God, according to Jesus Christ. So when you read this verse and it says that they may see your good works, they may see God's works, and they're going to hate those works because they're going to condemn their flesh. Now, if that happens to them, it happens to us. And we need to have the right mindset on how to deal with the things that happen in our lives if we have any chance of having sanity spiritually. Brothers and sisters, this world needs a lot of light to shine into it. We are the ambassadors of Christ to the world and to the earth. With all that I have just said, I am not saying that in this ambassadorship, we can do anything on our own to be this ambassador. However, that is what and who we are. We cannot be hid. A light cannot be hid. Whatever we are doing has an impact on the future, on a future son of God. And everyone will be, the fu be a future son of God. Unless you're a son of God now. We need to be presenting ourselves in the ways we have learned to be the light of the world. Now, if we're to be afraid, and here's the key to it. Listen to this. If you would present yourself as a son of God now to be the light of the world, you have to present yourself a certain way, and it means you're not included. What is included is your ambassadorship, being a son of God, and being in the family of God. So if we be afraid, let the let it be the fear of the Lord and not of men. Now, I'm going to pose another uh, statement to you here. When you talk about men, who do you think of immediately? When, when I say that phrase, be, be in fear of God, be in fear of the Lord, fear the Lord, but not men. Do you fear yourself? I think we all do. We fear our flesh. We fear what our flesh can do to us. We fear how our flesh can pain us. We fear what's going to happen to our flesh and what's going to happen to the flesh of our loved ones. We fear men. We fear flesh because that's all men are made of unless they are a son of God. Fear God because he has control over it all. Our ideas, our thoughts, our emotions, our actions and reactions should all be a reflection of the light that is in us and that we are made of. You are the light of the world. I am in front of a lot of people all the time. I interact with customers and people I work with. I see strangers at the stores I work at. I interact with people online through texting, websites, web chats, webcams, etc. And I'm sure all of you do too. Some of you retired folk, you're at home and you might not go out as much, but you, you do interact with people you're interacting now. You may see strangers and peers and people that you've hired and people that hire you. You're always interacting with the world and with the earth. Someone says to me, oh, what about that storm that happened in XYZ place? My reaction should be, even if I don't want to invoke the name of the Lord, so to speak, man, I'm sure happy some of those people were blessed to not die, etc. It could be any comment. My, my statement shouldn't be something along the lines of, oh, that's horrible. If those people would have been smart enough to get out of there, they could have evaded that whole process. Why do I say that that way? Because now I'm, I'm putting a mindset that's in me out there to that person I'm speaking to. And that mindset in me might say, that person had control. Whereas I could say something that emphasizes the Lord in the matter. 
Because most people that aren't Christian minded aren't, they're going to be put off put by you just, if you were to just quote a verse and some people say, I don't give a crap what people think, right? I don't care what people think. I'm just going to quote scripture. You're fishers of men and the Lord's working through you. So we should always present ourselves as those fisher of men. I can't see an example where Christ just instantly was abrasive to someone, but he reacted and spoke in a way that glorified God. And that's what I'm really trying to say. I don't care what your word, your choice, your word choice is in any given situation, but it should emphasize and glorify God. If only in concept. I hope that makes sense. So in all of these interactions that I have with people and that you have with people, I pray I'm reflecting the light that is in me because I have been called and chosen to be faithful to being the very light of the world. Now listen to these verses and then use the concept of being in the world and see if this applies to you. John 17, 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest gave me out of the world. That means we know we've, the Lord's name has been manifested to us. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept the word. Now, when he said this, they hadn't kept anything. They were unconverted. If Jesus can see us as the sons of God, why aren't we seeing other people as the sons of God? Now, there's a time and place for everything. There's a season for all things. We are to react a certain way. If an evil man's coming to my city and he's blowing everything up with the bomb and shooting guns and blah, 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 and I see that evil, I'm not going to go stand on the road. The Lord is great. I'm going to get shot. I'm going to hide myself from that evil, whatever that evil is. So there's a time and place for that, right? But we have to present ourselves as we think, as we are, in whatever fluid way that means for you, while adhering to keeping the commandments of God and his, his commandments aren't grievous. In 1 John 2, 15 through 17, Love not the world, not of the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, what world are we talking about? When I was in my, my Baptist upbringing, I remember a preacher coming from Tennessee, and he preached a sermon on the world. I was like 10 years old. I've told the story briefly before, and more in depth to other people. But he preached a sermon. He was on fire, as we used to say, right? He's a Baptist preacher. And all these people coming up to the altar. And we had a small church, but when those traveling uh, ministers would come in, you know, they'd gather up all these different Baptist churches and here we are in a revival, right? He's preaching the sermon. He preaches how we can't be of the world. We need to be, we need to be separate. We need to be in the world, but not of the world. And you can't do this and you can do that and all these things, right? I went home. I told my mom and her sister, and I'm not picking on my mother, Lord knows. I told her what I had felt and, and how I can't be of the world. I need, I need to be in the world. I can't be of the world. And I remember my, what my mom said to me. It was so discouraging. I won't even say what it was because it was just so discouraging to me. What are you talking about? That's crazy. And some other choice works. <laughs> I, I, even then the Lord was working on me to now remember that memory, to, to remember that memory, to understand that he is telling us what we should be. Now, here's what I'm emphasizing. If you're thinking of the outside world only, you've missed it altogether. Because you can look inward and the rest of the world is, is inward as well. Because anything that's inward is coming outward and other people in the world. So anything you see out there in the world has started in the inside. 
Okay, so look at these verses and let's think from that perspective. First John 2, 15 to 17. Love not the world, not the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What's in the world? Oh, we don't have to guess because it's the next verse. For all that is in the world that you're not to love, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Be in the world, but not of the world. Don't be of lust. Don't be of, uh, you know, the lust of the flesh or the lust of uh, the eyes. And don't be of the pride of life. What's life? There's only two lives. The life of this flesh and the life that's called eternal life. That's the focus. You can define it any way you want, but if you're going outside of this definition here, that it, all that is in the world, you're going to have a hard time defining it other than with Scripture. There's other Scriptures that will emphasize this, that will make this be true with two or three witnesses. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, you might say, because I want to know, how do I do the will of God? Well, we're going to cover some of that. Because <laughs> there's not an easy answer if the Lord just doesn't give it to you. So I'll give you what the Lord gave me, and Lord willing, it, 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 it engraves on your heart, your fleshly heart, not your heart of stone. John 17, 14 through 17. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, that thou should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The Lord, Jesus is telling us he's not of the world, but he walked around in the flesh. But when did he appease the flesh? You appease the flesh by going along with the flesh. Now, the reason why people are going to hate you you shall be hated of all men for my sake, for my name's sake. The reason why the world hates you is because they hate. If you don't emphasize the flesh along with them, running the, the riot, running to the running the race of riot, riotousness, running to the same excess of riot. If you do that, you're going to be loved. If you don't do that, you don't give them an answer that's fleshly related that emphasizes their benefit to their flesh they're not going to like your advice but that isn't my that's not my job to make them like the flesh however i can deliver i can be tactful i can deliver it in such a way that emphasizes and glorifies god but at the same time gives them the words of life not for their flesh but for the life eternal life I'm going to read this again because it's really important. 17, 14, and 17. I have given them thy word. The world has hated them because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world, I pray that thou should. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So all this that's being said, the Lord is going to give you the word of God. It's going to dwell in your heart and mind. And therefore, it should be what you give as an answer to focus on God first and his keeping his commandments. And then you'll be doing what you need to do. So sometimes I see a lot of judgments of, of being in the world and these things are not good. People look at various things and they say, you're in the world. You're, lo you're loving the things of the world. Brothers and sisters, it's not the focus. 
we're all in the world and we're in different careers. We're in different uh, standings in life. Some are older, some are younger, some are in marriage, some are single, some are male, some are female, some are adults, some are children. How many different categories can you, you're all in the world from your perspective. I'm created as Stephen Crook from the experiences and the things the Lord makes me to be. And only I can be that in the existence of all humanity. I'm in the world in the capacity of being who I am. And the Lord, Lord willing, is working mightily through me for those around me that I can be the light of the world too. So you can't tell me how I need to be in the world if it goes outside of scripture. And if you're going to use scripture, you have to be concise. Because the Lord, he tells us for just like it says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It's that that's truth. Everything else is a lie. Let God be true and all men a liar. You may have all experienced these things yourself while in the various denominations you were called out of. Do you remember all the times people would say, you can't do that. Oh, that's devil's music. Uh, yada, yada, yada. And it goes on and on. Now, I'm not saying that you, you can just do certain things and be like, oh, I'm doing it for the glory of God. Of course, people try to get away with certain things, what's permissible versus what's not specifically mentioned in Scripture, and I'm not uh, condoning that. What I am saying is we're all different. We're all general, just general, generationally, we're different. What was accepted in one generation is not accepted in another generation. Now, forgive me, folks, that this might seem offensive. I want to use a certain word, but when I was growing up, Everyone said it, and it was offensive to no one that I ever knew of because I didn't know any better. But I learned that if I say the word fart, that used to be offensive to quite a few people back in the day. That was rude. Now, I don't say around older people fart because I know that's offensive. I've learned that, right? But someone could say, oh, that's a sin. They could, right? Because they're just, that's their fleshly focus. They think that's evil and that's a sin. Therefore, you can't do that. Now, there's judgments that are like that for everything. But being in the, the world is our very calling. We're to be in the world that we're in. We're in a very technological world. We are to be amongst darkness, but not be of that darkness. Everyone knows what the Lord's Prayer is, but they often ignore one of the very important actual prayers the Lord prayed for, him, for us himself. He prayed this. Did you notice it when I read it? He prayed it. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from evil. So that's what the Lord wants from us. He wants us to be in the world, not of the world, and to be kept from evil while we're in the world. Jesus didn't pray that we be taken out of the world, but that we be kept from evil. Isn't that interesting? Jesus prayed this and tells us that we are to be the light of the world. How then is all this connected to our verses for the study today? Look at the mindset we should have if we want these blessings. This is the mindset you should have to get these blessings. Here are the blessings. Look, now, these are only in these five verses that I read that are Deuteronomy 28. Blessings upon our storehouse. Blessings upon all that we have our hands to do. Blessings in the land which the Lord gives us. You are the land. Blessings to be the holy people of God. All the people of the earth shall see we are called by his name and be afraid, fear of the Lord in us, blessed uh, with plenteous and goods, fruit of our body, fruit of the cattle, fruit of the ground in our land. 
blessed in the good treasure of the Lord, rain, that would be water, unto our land in its season to bless all the work of our hands. We shall lend and not borrow. I'm going to give all the people the word of God, and they sure in the heck ain't going to give me the false doctrines of the world. So how is it we obtain these blessings? Here it is. The Lord is very precise, and I'm telling you, your flesh will say, what are you talking about? That's retarded. But there's no way it's that simple. But in all those five verses I read, the Lord says, here's how you get these blessings. Keep his commandments and walk in his ways. I put on the, uh, the notes on the website, I corrected this. It's actually two things here. Keep his commandments and walk in his ways. So keep his commandments, walk in his ways. And you'll say, I would love to do that, Steve. I would love to do that. I want to be blessed by the Lord. And I'm going to say, you can't do that. You can do nothing without God unless God does it in you. Now, the God of, that I know of wants to do that in you and does that in you, but he doesn't do it on your timetable and he doesn't do it the way you want it to happen. And he sure in the heck doesn't do it on demand. He wants you to pray. He wants you to ask. And sometimes he'll fulfill that, that asking and that prayer in the way that maybe you feel is beneficial to you. But whatever it is, it's like Jesus said, nevertheless, thy will be done. But I don't know about all you, but when I look at that list just laid out like that, it seems like a very fair list of blessings for loving the Lord with all of our heart, soul, soul strength, and mind, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. I simply just restated again what was in verses 28, 8 through 12, where we see the two listings of the word hand that are for the study. It's in two verses there in that group of five. Two mentions of the word hand. So how can we love our neighbors if we aren't among our neighbors? And this is how I'm connecting all that's been said in this study. The answer is that we are among our neighbors anytime we are in the world, among those whom the Lord desires that we be the light of the world too. Your friends, your families, your foes, your enemies, your co-workers, strangers, it doesn't matter. I will end this study by connecting a few thoughts that are often overlooked. Now I know I read these verses, but I'm going to emphasize them yet again, similarly but differently than what I just did. 1 John 2, 16-17, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of, is of the world. It's in the world, but it's of the world together. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but the, he that doeth the will of God abides forever. We are not of the world, but we are in the world. When you connect this with being the light of the world, we are not of the world, we're of the light, see? The world's darkness. We're of the light. But we're in the darkness. I know you all can and just think about the world as it is. You can judge with your own eyes and ears and senses. What is this world if it's not darkness? But you're in it. You're in the mix of it. You're fighting tooth and nail to win this race. You're in darkness because you're like, you should glory in the fact that as you're running this race, you're in light. You can see. It should be easy to see that you have to be in the world in order to be not of the world. Why? Light is called from darkness, but it must be in darkness to be called out from it. We must be in the world while being the light of this world so that we can be examples to all of mankind, those, are, those, those that are sent to our lives, in order to plant seeds that can be watered and increased, and increased by the Lord. Who else can give us examples to die and decayed earth and world other than the sons of God following the example of the Son of God? Follow me as I follow Christ. We are sent to the earth that everyone is. Everyone's the earth. We're sent to that earth. We're sent to the world. We are sent into all that is in the world 
to be light where there is only darkness. We are the conduits being used to accomplish this. Therefore, while we examine this aspect of it, let us just keep reminding ourselves of the reward we are, are after in this age to come, while also not denying that there are blessings we can and do receive now in this age. And just saying that clearly another way, let us acknowledge that we are in a race for a reward that is coming as if we received it crown of glory that we will throw down at the feet of God. We want eternal life, see? So let's run the race for that as if we've won it, but realizing there are blessings in this life, but they're blessings of the new man, not of the flesh. Your flesh is doomed. It's done. It's, it's a done story. And that's why I said at the beginning of the study, the Lord has placed us in this constraint of what we call time, and he lives outside of it. He doesn't recognize it as in being time, even though he lives it through us. But we're constrained. He's not. But he tells us what's You have this narrow window of time of your life right here inside the parentheses. The Lord's over here. He's in the parentheses and he's over here. He is, was, and will be. He sees it all collectively and he's telling you what you are. So why are you only focused here? Doesn't that seem like something else? that the horse has to have to guide him along the way. Review my list above to see some of these blessings. For now, I hope you were edified and blessed by the study to just focus more on what the, the Lord would have you focus on. We are in the world, not of the world, but you can't be focused on what the Lord would have you focused on if all you're focused on is this, this. That's it. You can't be the light of the world if your emphasis is not on the things that are of the light and not of things that are just pertaining to the flesh. Now, with that all being said, the number one thing that's going to tug at you always is your flesh. The way to combat that is to focus on the Lord. And sometimes that's impossible because sometimes it's like if I stub my finger, my toe, I hit my, my thumb right there with the hammer, the emphasis on that pain is immense. Because my flesh calls out, it's just like a baby, right out of the womb. It wants what it wants when it wants it. That's how your flesh is. But if you can subdue that pain by not thinking on it, you would be amazed when you have pain. If you just try to focus, sometimes the Lord will bless you that that pain diminishes a smidgen, if only that. But we need to focus on the Lord, and uh, that, that pertains to anything in our life, in our flesh. So anyhow... That's the study. I'm going to go ahead and save it, and then uh, we'll share whatever the Lord has us to share in fellowship.